Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. We've got to be obedient to the Scriptures and align our thinking with the thinking of God. He said you must be saved or born again, spirit-filled, and actively pursuing or seeking what His will is for our lives. Secondly, we said we need to, develop, we need to examine the, our character development. We need to examine our character development. God wants us to develop godly character, holiness in our lives. Therefore, it's our responsibility and duty to cultivate or carry out to the goal this new life that has been deposited within our spirits. That's our responsibility. It's not something that is automatically done. It is something that we are responsible to do with fear and with trembling. Now, if you would please turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, a well-known verse of Scripture in verse 15. We can read 14 and 15. Our next area that we are to examine or evaluate is our family life. Our family life. And the scripture in verse 14 and 15 reads, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Verse 14. Now 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We are free will agents. We have the right of choice. We can choose to serve whom we will. And Joshua was saying, as far as I'm concerned, as the head of this household, we will serve the Lord God Almighty. In other words, I'm bringing God His plan, His purposes, His will for my life into my marital relationship and also into the entirety of of my family life. I want God involved in all the affairs of life. I dedicate myself to do His commandments, to keep His commandments, to fulfill His will, and to serve Him all the days of my life. Well, I think we'd be foolish to think that God only wanted to be involved in Joshua's family. God wants to involve Himself in every individual family unit represented upon the face of this earth. It is His desire that every family serve Him, every family keep His commandments, walk in His statutes, and observe His judgments. It is His desire to become actively involved in all the affairs of every family unit upon the face of this earth. It is His desire. But you see, my beloved brother and sister, without cooperation in family unity, 
This will never be achieved. And I'm going to take another step and say this. The course of our life will become extremely difficult to finish unless we have unity within the family unit. I'm not saying it won't be finished. I'm just going to say this. It's going to be absolutely difficult and the course is going to be a harder course. Now, you know what I mean by a harder course, a more difficult course? Some of you fellows out there that like to play golf, you know, one course is harder than the other. Now, I've never played it myself. I don't know about that. But I've heard it said that one course is a little bit more difficult than the other. Well, you know, if one's easier, one's easier. Maybe you can do better. If one's more difficult, if it's more difficult, maybe you don't do as well. Well, the same thing is true spiritually. We can make our course of life easier or more difficult, depending on our attitudes towards these things. The attitude of the husband, the attitude of the wife, and the attitude of the children. God, our Father, wants to be actively involved in our marital relationship and also among our family units. When it comes to our relationship with our children. And then also extending from there with our parents, in-laws, and, and, and everyone else that comprises our families. What I want to do this morning, is it, it's an impossible thing to talk about every aspect of family life. But I just want to share some thoughts I believe that will be beneficial and helpful to all of us so that we can make our course of life a whole lot easier to fulfill. And I want to begin right here with the relationship between the husband and the wife and say that unless a husband and wife are sold out to God and dedicated to the fulfillment of His plan and purpose, it will be much more difficult for those two individuals to be successful in their life and to accomplish everything that God would have them to accomplish. For an example, when my wife and I were married, we were not saved. We did not know the Lord. The time came when we were under deep conviction because of what we heard about the truth. And to be quite frank about it, people respond to that in different ways. I began to see that it was possible for our marital relationship to be under much stress, strain, Emotional upheaval in, in everything if we didn't come to terms of agreement concerning spiritual matters. You know, that is a major reason why many end up in a divorce court is because a lack of agreement when it comes to spiritual matters in the murder relationship. And of course, because we weren't born again, we never had to face any of that. You know, we just agreed as, in darkness just, just to do what we were doing. But the truth came to light in our lives, and we had to make a decision. Well, I'll tell you this right now. All that strain and, and upheaval, emotional upheaval and, and friction, and all that stuff left when the two of us got together and decided to totally commit ourselves to God and to His plan, purpose, and will for our lives. See, we were already totally committed to one another, but we had to make this all-important step to totally commit to the plan of God. And the reason why it was so important in our lives, and I believe in every 
married couples' lives is because what God had in store for us meant total dedication and total consecration, total cooperation from the total person. And so, as we began to seek His will, pursue His plans and purposes, of course, we were born again, spirit-filled, but then He spoke to our hearts and said, I want you to do this in order to fulfill what my call is upon your life. Pack up your belongings and, and go to school and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know all that. But my point is this. If she was not totally dedicated, committed to God Almighty and His plan and purpose and will, how could I have ever been successful in going to school, finishing school, and entering into the phase of ministry that God had so ordered for my life? It would never have happened. One of Paul's major concerns, primary concerns, was for his own life, that he would become disqualified from public ministry because of his inability to control his bodily functions. Did you know that? That's why Paul says, I buffet myself or beat my body because if I'm unable to control the lusts of my flesh and my physical and emotional desires, it could very well be that I myself will be disqualified from being an effective minister of the New Testament. And so, you see, I knew the, the value of this. I knew the importance of this. That we had to come into agreement. Two cannot walk together except they be agreed. We had to be in total harmony and agreement with the plan of God for our lives. And I can stand here in, in hours on end and, ex, and explain to you, express to you, and share with you just how much support I receive from my wife. It is never a one-man show when it comes to fulfilling the plan of God. Mark that down. Make note of that. Don't look up here and say, well, Brother Bill and bro my, my brother and my sister, if it were not for all that my wife did and has done and continues to do in her life in support of this ministry, it would never, never be able to be fulfilled. And that's an absolute statement of fact. Well, you say that's for you, but it's also for you. It's also for every family unit upon the face of this earth. People who are married have, come, have got to come to the realization that God has a specific plan for their lives, for their marriage. It's a ministry that He has ordained and set forth and ordered for each and every one of them to follow. It may not be public ministry like this here, but it's ministry because every individual is a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So I knew that it was essential and absolutely important for us to be in total harmony and agreement concerning what God would have us to do with our lives. And if it didn't happen right there at that level, it never would have been fulfilled. And so I'm thankful to God that we did decide together as a family unit to serve the Lord, to find out what His plan, purpose, and will was, and to pursue it no matter what it meant, if it meant leaving household, family, and everything else, lands, and all other things for the gospel's sake, then that's exactly what we would do. And we dedicated ourselves to that purpose and cause. Now, God instituted the family relationship before He instituted the church. We understand that, and it goes back to the very beginning. And you'll see that Adam and Eve were first created by God and brought together 
when God instituted and ordained the marital relationship. So let's start right there, husband and wife in that relationship, and understand what God has revealed to us in Scripture concerning His course of steps for our lives. In this relationship, husband-wife relationship, according to God's holy written word, according to His moral standards, two Christians or people who call themselves Christians and yet come together and live together and engage in sexual conduct apart from the marriage vow is... As far as God's concerned, as far as Scripture is concerned, denying the faith. Denying the faith. God never ordered that for any individual's life. That is not something that's been ordered from heaven. Yet we see a mentality existing within the, in the minds of many who are supposedly coming into the body of Christ, professing at least a Christian experience, who are really not examining themselves to determine whether or not they're in the faith. When it comes to that relationship of marriage, that relationship of sexual activity between a man and a woman, it must be within the framework of the marital relationship. And it must be ordained in the sight of God. Otherwise, as far as God is concerned, those two individuals are denying the faith. Make note of this. Mark it down. Write it upon the table of your heart. People who are not walking in light of what the Word of God says, the will of God says concerning these matters, have a profession of faith, a confession of words, but they are not conforming to the person or to the image of those words. Christianity is more than a confession of words. It is a conforming to an image. Those words are expressed for the purpose of enabling us as individuals to conform to the image. The written word unveils to us the living Christ who sets the standards and the morals for all of our lives. If I confess to be born again by the incorruptible seed of God's Word, then I am to live my life by the dictates of that Word. The Word of God is to have its place in my heart and my life, and it is to be expressed through my actions, my emotions, and all that I set my hand to do. So if I confess the words of Christianity, then from my heart I am to live with those words dictate and what they say. And so for two individuals to come together and say, but we're both Christians and we pray and we're living together or having, you know, a family unit started, etc., etc., but apart from the holy bond of matrimony, my brother and sister, as far as God is concerned, as far as the Word is concerned, that's an abomination in His sight. As far as He is concerned, they are denying the faith, not living in the faith. So we must examine ourselves to make sure that we are in the faith. Now what happens to individuals with this type of mentality is they are in danger of being given over unto a reprobate mind. 
Notice that scripture said in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, that know ye not that Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. And that's talking about a mind that's void of judgment. In other words, people can be so deceived by doctrines of devils into thinking that what they are doing is right, that their mind is turned over to a reprobate mind, and they don't even know or understand in their thinking what is of God and what is not of God. Their conscience is seared as with a hot iron. And they'll engage themselves in these things, thinking that everything is okay and everything is all right. David almost entered into that phase. As a matter of fact, he did. He did. He was turned over at, at one point, given unto a reprobate mind, thinking that all that he did with Bathsheba was okay because it was all covered up. And until the prophet came and said, Thus saith the Lord, he wasn't coming to his senses. But at that moment, he did come to his senses, and his life was spared. Thanks be unto God and his endless mercy. But once again, we are in danger of being turned over to a reprobate mind if we allow this activity to take place within our lives that is out of harmony with the will of the living God. When it comes to the marital relationship, according to God's standards and God's will, two people are to come together to be married in the faith, to become heirs together of the grace of life, to fulfill God's purposes in that marriage relationship. No one is exempt. No one is exempt. Husbands and wives, myself included, as a husband, no one is exempt. We want to stay on the right course. We want to gain momentum. We want to finish strong. Well, these are things that, are, that represent steps in the course of life that we're all to take. When it comes to the marital relationship, God expects us to fulfill His purposes in the marital relationship. What are they? Very quickly. Number one, partnership. To come together to have a completed union. We are not complete without each other. I know there are those who have been called to singleness and thank God for their lives, but we see that that is not the standard rule when it comes to the Scripture. Jesus Himself said that not everybody can fulfill that. So the norm is to enter into a marital relationship for the purpose of becoming heirs together and fulfilling the purposes of God in this relationship. Partnership. Complete one another's life. Fulfillment. Secondly, procreation. He said, come together and produce an offspring. Multiply, replenish the earth. Rear up a godly seed unto God Himself. Thirdly, for pleasure. To avoid fornication, let every man, purity, have his own wife. Pleasure and purity in life. Because God is the one who made us the way we are. And has placed these desires within us. But to avoid sin and, and fornication and impurity in every area of life, he says, have your own wife, pleasure and also for purity. Also for provisions. For provisions. To provide that which is necessary for a stable family unit and relationship. To nourish, to cherish. 
to protect, to love, to provide for. And finally, for picture, to show the ongoing, unending relationship that that Christ has with the church as a picture. And so we see these are the purposes of God in the marital relationship, and we cannot cast them aside. We must recognize them as He has so ordained them and then fulfill them in our lives because that is a step that we are to take in this course that He has so set forth before us. Now, young people, I want to address you, but I want you to also turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14 before I do so that you can see, for the script, see in the Scriptures for yourself this all-important truth. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. You don't have to be all that young either. If you're out there and you're a single person in your 20s, 30s, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you contemplate marriage or have a desire to, to become married. Mark this down. This is a sure way to make the course of your life extremely difficult to complete or fulfill. This is a sure way. If you want to have difficulty in life. If you want to make the course of your life difficult to complete or fulfill, this is all you need to do. What is it? Verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Two cannot possibly walk together if, except they're agreed. And in being asked what is the best solution you could possibly offer people when it comes to problems in marital relationships and the best solution I can possibly offer to people is this one right here preventive preventive solutions you're a person who is out there and you're not married yet you may have heard this before I want you to hear it again and again and again and again and again and don't fall victim to your own emotional desires and lusts. Do not violate for a moment the Word of God to satisfy something in yourself. The Bible clearly says that a non-believer and a believer are not in the light together. They cannot walk in harmony together. They have no communion with one another. They have no fellowship with one another. No way to really interact as God would have them to. One is of the light and one is of the darkness. How are we going to fulfill all these things? How are we going to do it? If we can't walk together in harmony, unity, and agreement. Well, just how bad is it if I marry a non-believer? Well, we cut ourselves off from many of the blessings of God. There are many things He cannot protect us from. Although He would like to, but He cannot protect us from. Because we're making the course of our life more difficult for ourselves. And what is one thing he cannot cut us off from? Well, when you marry somebody who is a non-believer by an act of your will knowingly, do you know what you knowingly do? You openly, knowingly invite the devil in to be your father-in-law. You can say, oh my, or oh me. Or uh uh-oh. I didn't say your father-in-law was your... I said, you invite him to be your acting father-in-law. 
You say, is it that serious? Yes, it is. If I could have, I don't even have, all I have to do is just ask anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Stand up and give your testimony. Let the young people know all about being yoked with a non-believer who does not walk in the faith, who has caused misery, heartache, and everything else to come to your life. And I believe that we can stand up here forever and ever and just have people talk and talk and talk and share all about it. Young people, just take heed and listen. I know, you know, very often you think that, you know, older folks don't know a whole lot, but I'll tell you what, they have already walked that part of the course. They have finished that part of the course. And so they know what it's all about and can offer a lot of good advice and counsel to those of you who are about to enter into that type of a relationship. Just don't do it. You say, but I love him, but I love her. That's your emotional part that's been taken over. But what it's doing is distracting you from what the Word of God says, from what the will of God says. But you don't know, Pastor. You don't know I'm going to change him the moment we get married. No, you're not. No, you're not. If he or she cannot be changed before you get married, you will never change that person. Never, never will you change that person. You say, how can you be so negative about it? I'm not being absolutely positive about it. You say, well, what do you mean by that? You ready to listen? Because for the most part, for the most part, for the most part, you're not dealing with demons. You're dealing with the will of a person. And that's why those who are married... To those who are non-believers, because of the process of the new birth where one got saved and another, God has given us instruction as to what we are to do. Found in 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll go to that in a moment. Well, matter of fact, turn, there, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 right now. But we'll look at the husband first. But for the most part, we are dealing with the will of a person. I couldn't make my wife get saved after I got saved. I couldn't make her accept the plan of God. You just can't do that. You can't exercise authority over another person's will. That's an impossibility. People are free will agents and they will choose for themselves what they will do. And that's why Joshua said, choose ye this day. And the same thing is true here. Young people, you need to know this. You need to understand this. You say, you sound like my mom, you sound like my dad. Well, thank God, because they sound like the Word. Amen? 1 Peter chapter 3. In verse 10, verse 7, it says, Likewise, ye husbands... Dwell with them according to knowledge. Now, notice here he's talking to husbands regarding his relation, with their relationship with their wives. And he says it's the responsibility and the duty of the husband to dwell with his wife according to knowledge. Well, what is he talking about? He's talking about a decision that a man makes who is a husband to, for himself... Look in the Scriptures to, de- to, to define for himself what it is a husband should be. 
God's intention, God's plan, God's purpose for him as a husband. And then he makes a decision by the act of his will to fulfill that purpose of God in his life. If we want to make the course of our life easy, let's put it this way. Husbands, all you've got to do is to make this quality decision in life to fulfill the purpose, the responsibilities, and the duties that God has set forth and ordained in the Word of God for your life, for my life, concerning our being husbands. If we will do that and just take care of ourselves. You say, but you don't know my wife. We're not concerned about your wife right now. We're concerned about self, ourselves, me as an individual, you as a husband. If you would make the decision in your life to do what the will of God is, it'll make everything a whole lot easier when it comes to the fulfillment of God's course for your life, for my life. And here it says, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. With the knowledge that your wife is to complete and complement your life, with the knowledge that she was taken from your side to be equal with you, not lorded over by you, also to be protected by you from beneath your arm and heart, to be loved by you, and we are commanded of the Lord to love our wives and to provide for them as Christ has so done for the church. That is our responsibility. That is our duty. It is the commandment of the Most High God. And if we are concerned about our destiny, if we are concerned about achieving our goals, concerned about the victor's crown of righteousness, then we're going to make that decision from our hearts. But to think that What we decide to do has no effect upon things that are to come is being deceived. Because it really does. See, God's plan cannot be totally fulfilled and fully carried out unless people cooperate. And that's why we can only go so far when it comes to functioning as a New Testament church. Because it requires cooperation from all people coming together. But we see right here in this relationship, it is the responsibility and duty of the husband to dwell with his wife according to knowledge. I'm going to add something to that. Can you hold your place or can you put your marker there because we're going to come back to it for the wife. But I want you to find 1 Timothy chapter 5. The wife is not for abuse, for misuse, for mental or physical cruelty. To be walked on, stepped on, and everything else. By the design of God, she is to be loved. She is to complement the life of the husband. To complete his life. And be in submission to his mission You know, if you look at it that way, it's a whole lot easier to understand submission. The husband has a mission that comes from God and she is in submission. Helping him to fulfill that mission that God has set forth and ordained. 
She's not for these other purposes. But I want you to notice in verse 8, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Notice he said, Examine whether or not you're in the faith. Being in the faith, as I said, is more than a mere confession of words. We confess to be believers followers of Christ, disciples of our Lord, but who sets the standards or the conditions for true discipleship? Anyone, now especially the man who does not provide for his own, as far as God is concerned, is worse than an infidel, and he has denied the faith. But yet we see this going on in the body of Christ. And it's happening all around us. Why? Because a mentality has slipped into the thinking of the modern minds of many to get them to think that everything goes in God. That God is one only of love, not of judgment. Only of mercy, not of justice. But you see, you see the risk that you run when you only preach one side of it? There are two sides to it all. Yes, We are secure in Him as long as we remain in Him and abide in Him, as Jesus said. But if we walk out from beneath the covering of our faith and the grace of God, then what happens? He says it's possible for someone to deny the faith. Now notice this. He's just talking about providing that which is necessary to sustain life to your family, even even your nephews and those around you. How much more does God account or consider it to be an abomination, a denying of the faith, if a husband does not provide for his family? If a husband, not just just physical, material, but that which is necessary for that family unit to be secure in the things of God. say, brother, that's hard. I know it is. But you know what? It's true. And we don't want to preach a gospel that is different from what has been written and spoken and lived by those who have been set up as examples. Where are those days? Are they long gone when people were totally committed to the murder relationship in the family unit? That it doesn't matter what we do anymore because God is love and He'll forgive anything and everything? And we talked about that mentality last week. And I know that it upsets the hearts and minds of people. But my brother and sister, although we must say that God does forgive, and we thank God that He does, but just because He forgives murder doesn't mean you go out and commit it. Just because He forgives robbery and stealing doesn't mean you go out and commit it. Just because divorce can be forgiven by the blood of Jesus and there's power to overcome it and to forgive it does not mean that what we should do is go off and just get divorces to satisfy our own lust. I'm talking about apart from that which is biblical when it comes to divorcing. See, we're not talking about the legitimate. What is legitimate, what what the Bible says is a legitimate cause for divorce stands. It's true. But we're talking about a mentality that has slipped into the minds of men that says, just because we want to, we're just going to walk away. And that doesn't just go for the husbands. It also goes for the wives. It also pertains to the wife. If she does not provide for her own household that which is necessary to rear up godly children 
and, and, and to create a beautiful spiritual climate within that household, she's just as guilty. And you think about it. Even animals provide and take care of their own. You say, boy, that's hard. I know it is, but it's true. Don't they? They absolutely do. But we're seeing a mentality rise up in the minds of people today, even within the body of Christ like never before, that it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Well, beloved, it does matter to God. And it should matter to every single one of us. And here's another thought here. This comes from the oldest school of thought available to mankind. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapters 1 and 2, when God talked about the family unit and the relationship between a man and his wife. So you see, it's not just what we've heard of in days gone by. It goes all the way back to the beginning, that man was to live this way before God with his wife, to leave, to cleave, to become one in purpose, achieve your goals, and fulfill God's plan. Now, going back to 1 Peter chapter 3, and we'll see something here pertaining to the wife. And like I said, we just cannot share everything, but we do want to share some things. In 1 Peter chapter 3, regarding the wife who is either married to a husband who is not a believer or who is a husband who is not obedient to the Word of God. The reason why I said you're dealing more with the will of the individual person than you are the demon's spirit because he would have said right here, cast the devil out in 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, you wives, in verse 1, be in subjection to your own husbands that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Adore the inner man of the heart and you know all that. But what he's saying is that, is that the wife then is in a position and mark it down. This is a course, a step in the course of your life if you are married to one who is not obedient to the Word of God. Do you see this? I want us to see it this way, a step. Because people are always looking for magical formulas to get things done instantaneously. How many of you know that? How many of you would prefer to have an instant miracle today of your deliverance or would you like to wait about six weeks for it or six years for it to come? Obviously, if you're in pain, you want that deliverance to come right here and right now. Amen? But we know that when we are dealing with the will of another person, it is not that cut and dry. It's not that simple. We're not just going to cast the devil out and change a person's entire being. Because if we did, everybody would be saved. We cast the devil out of everybody's mind who's blinded from the knowledge of the truth. And they'd all get saved. We'd have the rapture tomorrow and go to the middle of the reign of Christ. But that's not what we can do. We can't do that. What are we to do? Wives, we have been given instruction. This is a step that you are to take in the course of your life if you are in that particular situation. What are you to do? Be in subjection. Walk in love. Let your influence, the influence of your life, influence him just as Sarah's influenced Abraham's. But sometimes I think we need to stop there and define some things. What is love all about? If the man really loves you, if the man really cares about you, if the man is concerned about you, if he is pleased to dwell with you, 
The Bible says then we should stay with that person and not walk away from that person. I've had people uh, say to me, well, am I supposed to live my life just like this here when he practically, he beats me and practically kills me, comes old drunk and, and endangers the life of my, my child and, and, and myself? And I'll be quite frank about it. I, I don't know where our mentality is sometimes. Does a woman have to stay in that kind of, kind of an atmosphere? Is she bound by the Word of God to stay in that kind of, kind of an atmosphere? I don't believe so. I said, I don't believe so. Sometimes the people of the world are wiser. Not at all. When your life is being endangered, that doesn't mean a person, that's not showing love that he's, or that he's pleased to dwell with you. You can't get that out of that. This is talking about a loving relationship. You know what? My wife and I were deeply in love before we ever got saved. Did you know that? We loved each other. Still love each other. But I mean, we loved each other fervently even back then, before we got saved. I was pleased to dwell with her. She was pleased to dwell with me. We had a beautiful daughter. We had a beautiful life, as far as we were concerned at that point. He's talking about it. If the man really loves you, cares about you, thank God for that and then couple all that with the chaste, godly lifestyle of the woman of God. And as you live your life before Him, that is a step that you ought to take, following the, the, the attractional teaching of God's Holy Word, then that influence will come upon His life. You will fulfill this purpose in the will of God. Now, don't have an unrealistic expectation about what your faith is designed to do here. It is designed to open up another highway and avenue for God to move by His Spirit upon His life to bring Him under the conviction that comes by the Spirit of God. And if you have achieved that, if you've accomplished that by doing this, then you have done exactly what your faith is designed to do. And if they reject that, once again, I said, you're dealing with the human will. Just keep on keeping on and keep on doing exactly what he said to do. And walk in the light of that. You say, for how long? Here's where we've got to be committed. You're totally committed for total life. And I think we've got to reinstate that, uh, that kind of under, uh, type of mentality back in, in, into thinking of people. When people get married, that you get married, you give the total self for total life. You totally give yourself to one another for total life. I mean, that's what we did. And I wasn't a Christian to do that. But I knew that when I got married that that's exactly what I would do. And so, you see, just because we have problems that exist in this marital relationship because of people getting saved and, and others not following along, God has provided us with instructional teaching. This is what we are to do. And resign ourselves to the fact that we are going to do it as by the Spirit of God, by the grace of God given to us in the fulfillment of His plan. And our desire is, of course, is that they respond. But if they don't respond, it's not your fault they didn't respond. For he that believeth shall be what? He that believeth not, it's their own will that's involved there. Another thought here regarding this relationship is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you turn there quickly with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. <coughs> Wives are to influence their husbands by their godly lifestyle. Their faith, 
will enable God to minister by His Spirit conviction to their spirit. That conviction will remain there. You've accomplished the purpose of the Father's will. It doesn't mean that, that all situations are, and problem areas are eradicated from that relationship. It means that your, your, your purpose has been fulfilled as far as God is concerned. Now, would to God that we wouldn't have to be in a situation like that, but that's out of your control. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, now concerning verse 1, the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for, for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife doesn't have power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband, have not power of his own body, but the wife defraud ye not one other except to be with consent for time, that ye may give yourself to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. And here we see a responsibility for husbands and wives to dwell together according to the knowledge of God's holy word regarding their relationship when it comes to the physical part of their relationship. And not just talking about the actual physical act of lovemaking, but also when it comes to loving one another with, with their body actions. A woman is more romantic when it comes to love and wants to be told how pretty she is and wants to be told how lovely she is and how much she is cared for and how, how much she means and she likes to have her hand held and an arm put around her or whatever, expressions of love. It's our duty and responsibility not to become cold towards one another, but to be warm and loving to one another. But here he's talking about especially the physical part of the relationship. That if one does not give himself or herself to the mate in this relationship of love, you can then become guilty of the infidelity of the other party, of the other person. And we see this happening all the time simply due to the fact that people are not doing what God said to do in this relationship. And there could be a thousand and one excuses for it. But my brother and sister, it is of utmost importance. It would not be here in the Scriptures. It would not be stated this way if the devil can cause people to stumble and to fall when they're in an active relationship just because they set themselves apart for the purpose of fasting and prayer. How much more can he cause them to stumble and fall just because she has a headache? Or just because he's tired when he comes home from work. Or not interested. Or this or that. But these, I know, these things are true and they happen. But once again, God wants people to respond to His injunctions. To what His Word dictates to us. To our lifestyles. To what it says about our lives. And to live that way. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 22 is a familiar scripture to us all. And the scripture says regarding the responsibilities of the father and mother now. Your husband and wife, you've come together for a purpose, for a plan. And you're also a father and you're also a mother. And it says to train up your children in the way that they should go. That when they grow old, they will not depart from it. Write it down. We'll go quick here, but write it down. Two areas, two things to do to fulfill this. We're going to make it simple. I don't want to make it complex. Let's make it simple. Let's make it very simple when it comes to the things of God because it is the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. If we'll do two things, we will fulfill this purpose of God's will. Number one, we are to ground them in correct views of the truth. 
Number one, as parents, it's our responsibility. See, husbands and wives then become parents, and it's our responsibility not to neglect this almighty, awesome task that God has placed before us and called us unto. Number one, to ground them in the correct views of truth. Number two is to ground them in right principles of action. To ground them, number one, in the correct views of truth. To ground them, number two, in the right principles of action is our responsibility and duty. Those are the two things that are essential when it comes to parenting. And we are to do this by precept and by example. That means by what we say and also by what we do. By what we say and by what we do. If we want our children to grow up in the fear of God, then we must demonstrate fear toward God. If we want our children to be a praying children, child, and an adult, then we have got to show them by praying with them. If we want them to study God's holy word when they grow up, then we've got to also study God's word, show them what the word of God says, and teach them from the principles of God's word. Not just say it, but do it. If we want them to be in church, fulfilling that part of God's plan for their lives, then we must also not just say go to church, but we should also go to church ourselves and set the example for our children. Why? Because we know, as well as anyone else, that children are going to be more influenced by what we do than by what we say. If we say to them to do one thing and do another, they can see that hypocrisy there and they're not going to walk in the light of it. They're not going to do it themselves. So the best way we can assure ourselves that we are going to provide what is necessary for their growth and development is by seeing to it that we ground them in the correct views of truth by what we say about things and by how we react to things, our actions, and also when we need to teach them how to live right and ground them in right principles of action. That talks about their moral conduct. That talks about their use of speech and communication, their language. We want them to grow up in, in purity, be pure before God. We can't walk around a house cussing. Every other word cussing and, and saying things in front of them that, that is not becoming to a saint of God. If we want them to be free and respect their body as being the temple of the Holy Ghost, we can't give a poor example through smoking and drinking and, and gluttony and, and all those things that we know damage or hurt the physical body. We have got to do things, say things with our mouths and also show forth the example by letting them see that it's something that's achievable and attainable as they look to our lives as parents. And my brother and sister, I cannot speak this out loudly enough. They are more looking at what we do than what we say. And we all have our shortcomings. We all have our faults. We all have mistakes that we make in our lives. But we have to recognize that if we're going to be successful in training, child training, and rearing them up in these things... We've got to present to them the correct views of truth. More so than anybody else, we need to let our young people know the things of God. The truth of God's holy word. They're going to hear all kinds of things out there in the world for their many voices. But what we tell them and show them and demonstrate to them is what's going to stay within them in their lives. 
Also, we need to avoid instilling things within their lives that would produce damage or injury to their spiritual, emotional, or physical well-being. How do we do that? Keep them away from evil influences and things that are wrong. It amazes me to hear that, that Christian parents will allow their children to play with the Ouija boards and, and things of the like. It is our duty and responsibility, even the horoscope and all kinds of things that pertain to all that off-color stuff that pertains to the kingdom of darkness. We can't show forth the example and say, well, we do this or we show them that and expect them to live the right kind of life or not to be exposed to demonic influences. Remember one time when, when uh, Jason, well, Jason BJ, which is BJ was going to school, and this was when, it was about this time of year, Halloween time of year, you know, and we know we're not in bondage to any of these things, but I'll tell you something. You know, we told them, I don't get fearful because of what's out there. We told our children, we don't believe in any ghost but the Holy Ghost. Amen? And we don't have anything to do with witches. We don't need to have witches. And, and things like that. And so BJ goes to school one day and he sees all of this stuff plastered all over the, everywhere. And, but, the, you know, I know some would get upset and all that. But, you know, if you just train up your child right, just tell them what is right. We can't protect them from being out there around all that stuff. We're not talking about that, isolating them, putting them somewhere apart from all that and crushing their spirits by not letting them participate in certain things. Just tell him the difference. You know what? He sat there in kindergarten. He's a, he's a little kindergarten. He said, I don't want to embarrass my teacher. He didn't want to embarrass his teacher. Just a little guy. He didn't want to embarrass. So he said, I saw how frightened the kids were when they came in and saw all those things on the wall. He says, I saw how frightened. He says, I told him, don't worry. Don't be, don't be concerned about it. Don't be concerned. Now, it's not real. Don't be concerned about it. He's comforting all these little kids, but didn't say anything to his teacher because he said, I don't want to hurt her feelings. He came home and told mom and dad. He said, but I told them, nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. Jesus is Lord. See, so he knew that. We can't keep them away from it. You think your child will never be tempted to smoke or drink or, or commit fornication or anything like that? What world are you living in? You can't take them away from them, but I'll tell you what, you teach them right, it'll be inside the heart. Spirit of God will quicken it, make it alive inside them. Yeah, it's our responsibility and duty to, to, to keep them taught right and don't instill things into their lives that would open up the door to demonic influence. See, that's our responsibility and duty as parents. But still, we have to trust and rely upon God's Word that says when they get old, they want what? Depart from the way that we have taught them. And I would have liked to get to the part of, of the young person. Children, we're living in a, in, in a time that you need to be aware of who the enemy is. You need to be aware of the fact that you're living in a day and age right now that the Bible says that children would not be obedient to their parents. They would be disrespectful. They would dishonor their parents. They wouldn't listen to what they have to say. Be more concerned about what's, what's happening around them, what their peers are saying caught up in the uh, amusements of the day and of the hour and not concerned in, in, in their parents' wisdom and guidance and counsel for their lives. You're living in that day and that hour right now and it's time that the young person also has to do something to contribute to the godliness of the family, of the family life. 
You cannot rebel against the things of God. You should not rebel against the things of God. You should honor and respect your parents in the Lord for at least four different reasons. The Bible says, for it is right to honor your parents, to, to respect them in the Lord. It's right to do that. Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm sure you all know it quite well. It's a commandment of God with a promise. Two is the commandment, the promise. Two promises. It'll be well with you. You'll live long upon this earth. You have a course that God has ordered for your lives also. And your cooperation is needed. It is of utmost importance, especially when you become the age of accountability. Because if you rebel against the things of God, if you rebel against the authority of your parents, if you don't listen to what they have to say, you open up that door automatically as an act of your own will to the forces of darkness that are already out there arrayed against you, and you put yourself on a highway that leads unto destruction. And you know what, my brother and sister? I know that Paul got on a boat he didn't want to get on, but he had to get on because he was forced to get on by people. And you know what? Even though he did no wrong, even though he, he walked with God, we saw that they suffered much harm, damage, loss, and injury, even though he was right there in the midst of it all. And his life was in danger of being lost, but thanks be to God, because of his righteousness, he was delivered, and they were delivered with him. But if a person can get himself in that kind of trouble obeying God, can you imagine how much more difficult it's going to be to fulfill the, and finalize the course of your life if you're in open rebellion to the things of God and not doing what He said to do? It is well-pleasing in the sight of the Father God that children at this day, age, and hour, like never before, would obey their parents, honor them, respect them, and hold them up in high esteem and help them fulfill what the will of God is for family life in the earth. Can you say amen? Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.